right, everybody. Welcome back to the analysis. You guys are still laughing at me. Why? <laughs> That's how I start the show. Welcome back to the analysis, everybody. This is just Bob talking to you today. Hayes is out, and I am joined by two buddies of mine, Mr. Adriel Mello. Hello. And Mr. The Wizard, Matthew Battaglia. So the reason we were just laughing is because when Bob told us we were coming here, he sent us this email today of the format that we would follow. And with that, I thought it was going to be very monotone, like, thank you for, for joining me. You thought it was going to be like that SNL sketch where they do the, the, the sweaty oh, balls like, and the very... What's the name of that dude with the school? The, uh, the actor's studio? Oh, like James Lipton, uh, the, yeah. inside the actor's studio. It's just very, like, yes. Mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> then the man did one of the most fantastic... <laughs> yeah, no, that's not me. No, this is... Uh, it starts off a little shock jockey, and then we, we, we tone it down very... Very soon. I thought I thought you would give me a more dramatic introduction. Yeah. You know, knowing my background, I thought my man would take care of me. Ladies and gentlemen, please give your attention and your noise to Adriel Mello. <laughs> that was more Space Jam. That was Space Jammy, which is a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. What? That's not the one we're talking about today. <laughs> so... Yes, I have a couple buddies here today, and as I alluded to on last week's episode, uh, I wanted to, because me and Matt are former theater students, we're former film students, we can uh, be pretty critical uh, sometimes, you know, and we can be kind of dirty when it comes to movies, and cynical when it comes to movies, and I really wanted to get my finger on the pulse of a different kind of cinema patron the kind of man that will go see every single fast and furious movie on opening day correct correct which is important because you need the environment correct. which the true enthusiasts will provide do when you go see fast and furious on opening day do people dress up like the characters like they do in star wars <laughs> like the, like the star wars fans do does someone dress up like oh, vin I diesel know. and I someone know. dress up like michelle rodriguez I think those personality types naturally wear those clothes anyways. So <laughs> come rolling through in like white beaters. He's <laughs> like, oh, he dressed up, and it's like, no, that's uh, just Tony. With his hat with the monster logo on, and like sunglasses on the back of the head. Correct. So, yeah, someone's going to be Paul Walker, <laughs> RIP. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, I wanted to get uh, my finger on the pulse of some of the some of the other kind of opinions but and then that's the the interesting thing i says is you know mellow you are very much a a man's man a, a common patron you don't get too you don't get too deep into the oscar scene normally no. but you and matt came to me last week and or maybe a couple of weeks ago and you were really fired up cuz you had just seen this new movie that you both really liked and it was manchester by the sea Correct. So me and Matt usually have the very beautiful and I would say cherished ability to be able to turn off our brain and enjoy a piece of cinema, um, which allows us to basically be in love with most of media out there and just be able to consume it. But for a rare moment in time, we did turn it on, go to the theater and watch Manchester by the Sea. And we loved it. The way it played out was beautiful because I texted you at like 3.40, like, hey, Manchester by the Sea at 4.11. 
yeah, I'll pick you up in five minutes. Didn't even question it. Picks me up and goes, I watched the trailer on my way over. It looks good. <laughs> I'll pick you up in my green, lightning green car with a spoiler on it. Get there in 60 seconds. Uh, so, yeah, you guys you guys went down to the art house, and you put your money down, and you you went and you thought and you felt a little bit. And that's kind of something I was really interested in because, you know, a lot, of pe- a lot of people in the you know, the, the acting circuit, the film circuit, you know, you know, the people that run in those circles, you know, we're all going to go see it. But yeah, I was really, I'm really glad to hear that you guys went and saw it and also loved it because I've been hearing a lot just, you know, in talking about this movie, I've been fired up about it for about a month after I saw it. And every time I talk to someone that's not necessarily in my circle, they go, Oh yeah, I thought about going to see it. It looked pretty good. But then I heard it was really depressing. I mean, you know, and a movie being sad or possibly depressing isn't a bad thing. It's not. And I think every single time you go to see a movie, you should at least think and feel, even if it's a little bit, you should at least have some thought that goes through your brain. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the shut my brain off and watch explosions kind of thing, but you know, so feels like a judgment. That felt like a judgment. Yeah, it wasn't. There was no judgment. I feel, like I'm being I feel a little bit derogatory termed. Anyway, I'm here in celebration of you guys for seeing it, and I and I'm really glad that you liked it. So let's kind of jump into the nuts and bolts of it. So the the plot is about Lee, who is played by Casey Affleck. Probably the best thing I've ever seen him in. Although you know, a lot of people are surprised that Casey Affleck is on the scene now. He's been around for a little while. Right. Uh, you... I, so I also really liked him in uh, it's that really long time, uh, the Jesse James. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert, it was Robert the assassination Ford. of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Yeah, he was Correct. On that one. And then say that six times fast. <laughs> we don't have time. Uh, but so he's really good in that. Uh, he's also in a movie called Gone Baby Gone. I'm not sure if you guys have seen unreal that. Unreal movie, Abs- for a completely different reason, but an unreal movie. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he had a. He's had a kind of powerful performance in a movie called Into the Furnace. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that. So I was wondering how he got this role, and I was just on on the YouTube on the interwebs. And I saw that Matt Damon turned this down. Yeah. Correct. Damon's a producer on it, and he had played with the idea of doing it, but I think he turned it down to do The Martian. Yeah. And he turned it over to Casey, and Casey even had, when he won his Golden Globe last week, he had some sort of little quip about, you know, hey, thanks for turning it down. Anytime you turn something down, you're probably not going to send it my way, kind of little. So, did you also see the interview with Ben Affleck? Or Ben Affleck yeah. was on, like, Kimmel, and he's like, listen... <laughs> When I won my Oscar, like way back when, with Goodwill Hunting and Matt Damon, he's like, I thanked my brother. Then they show the clip. He's like, I want to thank my brother, Casey. And then they flash forward to Casey Affleck, and he just totally, he's like, I want to thank Matt Damon. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, anyone else around? Uh, okay, look off. Okay. And, uh, he thanked guys and people that weren't even in the movie and didn't yeah. thank Ben Affleck. Zero fucks. Who 100% put him on. <laughs> the man who paved the way for this man in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, so, yeah, so it's about Casey Affleck's character, Lee, and he's a janitor in Boston, Mass., and he's called back home, and not to spoil anything, because it's in the trailer, it's in a lot of, you know, the promotion for the movie, but he's going back because his brother's died, and he's going to oversee the estate, and he finds out that he's been, unbeknownst to him, asked to take care of his nephew, and that's kind of where the movie jumps off. 
And this movie, outside of the three main characters, that being Casey Affleck, who plays Lee, and then his ex-wife, and we don't know how she became the ex-wife, which is a major point in the movie that we'll get into in a little bit, but uh, Michelle Williams, and then Lucas Hedges, who's a newcomer who plays the son, or the the nephew, nephew, yes, and uh, uh, outside of those three people, the writing in the movie is the big star, and... Matt, as a writer, can you kind of speak to some of the things in the plot and some of the things that kind of go against conventional drama that you appreciated in this? Because Matt, by the way, is is a writer or, you know, studied writing in school and still dabbles from time to time in the art. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, all right. So it starts off when we got this. Uh, they built this character in Casey Affleck who's a curmudgeon for yeah. a simple word, right? Um, but like Bob said, you don't know why. So for me, the comedy comes from the dryness. So it's hilarious. We were laughing the entire time. Not like out loud, in your face type comedy, but realistic style. So it's things that happen in everyday life where like there's a scene where he's, you know, he's shoveling because he's a janitor, right? So he's shoveling the driveway and he just kind of like throws like very lackadaisically, but just kind of like tosses the shovel off to the side. Or he's like fixing like that lady's sink and she comes in to complain and he just kind of like gives her this like long, like get the fuck out of my face stare. Those things for me or what had me, like, bent over. So the matinee scene of these old people in the theater didn't very much appreciate that. Yeah, because you guys went to see it on, it was a, I don't know what. So uh, it, was, it was a last minute, we both had the day off for some reason, and Matt called me, sent me a text in, like, middle of the day. He's like, Mel, you want to go see this movie? And I go, yeah, whatever, I'll pick you up in five minutes. And I just kind of jumped on it right away, watched the trailer right then and there. And then I went to go get Matt, well, not thinking about it, we saw the Tuesday matinee of Manchester by the Sea. Common patrons are average age of 76 years old. Who have, who have zero intention of trying to pick apart a movie. <laughs> Correct. Or sense of humor. Zero sense of humor. And so, right. And so you threw the scene. Yeah. I one part where Matt lost it. And Matt losing it made me lose it was the, and again, not giving anything away. It's in the plot. It's in the trailer. But when uh, the guy from Friday Night Lights, what's his name? Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. When Kyle Chandler um, passes and the ambulance is taken away. And it's actually perfect because they get all the details right in this movie. So the imperfections of people and how they interact with the world. One instance being where the two ambulance um, drivers are trying to put the gurney back into the actual vehicle and they can't do it right away. They they struggle a little bit. They like are trying to get the wheels up. <laughs> They're trying to get the legs to fold in and they can't. And, and it's this beautiful moment because he's watching as this like gurney like is going into this and it's like this big like pivotal emotional scene in the movie and these two paramedics are trying to get the the legs to fold in and they just can't. And like, you can tell, like I looked it up later and you can kind of tell at the moment that it was kind of like an accident on the two paramedics, but they were like, these like shitty extras. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, dude, yeah. we're just, we're just going to fucking leave it. Cause it was awesome because it's like this like very realistic, beautiful. I compare it to a couple of years ago. I was at a funeral and it was um, a kid who was my age. So at the time we were, I think 20 years old and the, so the line, you know, to see the casket is out the door. And me and my buddy would get up to the front. You know, we're in front of, like, you know, the open casket. And we're bawling our eyes out. And we're, like, right next to his parents. And then there's this smoke show about 15 feet away. And we're sitting there just bawling our eyes out. My buddy, like, looks to his left. And he, like, 
through his tears, he's like, dude, that chick is really hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely lost it because it was so realistic. So throughout the... Well, that's the theme of this movie, yeah. too, is trying to go on with your regular self yeah. as a regular person in the face of this tragedy. Yeah. Right? Like, these, these people are desperately trying to do anything but be sad and get to that place, especially, this, especially the nephew. All he wants to do... Throughout most of the course of this movie, he's, he's in two bands. He's on the hockey team. He wants to get right back on the ice. And the coach is like, hey, take some time. I just want to be a kid, dude. He has two girlfriends. He's just trying to get laid. And that's where uh, most of the comedy comes in in some of the dialogue and the quips between, uh, you know, Casey Affleck and this, like, horny 17-year-old kid that's just trying to have sex with people. And uh, so we talked, there's flashbacks, right? A couple of different ones. So you see Casey Affleck, Casey Affleck and his... You know, in these flashbacks where he's this happy-go-lucky guy, he's, you know, got it all, whatever. Uh, and then when you flash forward and he's this curmudgeon, it's hilarious because it could be, it could, they could have easily, very easily done it where he's just always been like this. That's just how he is. He's a dick. And that's not that funny. But then when you see how he used to be and then how he is now, like, it's like comparing to like, oh, he's in a bad mood. Uh, or, oh, okay, now he's in a good mood. So it's just like hilarious to see him like fall apart at times. Yeah. And that's the kind of the point I was going to make with the writing is that it's not a conventional drama where a character in the beginning of the movie is faced with trauma and then he somehow overcomes the obstacles and then at the end of the movie is, you know, everything's buttoned up and he's a, you know, he's learned new things and he's a fixed person and, you know, like, that's that's normally where a conventional drama go. But this movie doesn't necessarily want to play that game. What this movie does is they show him kind of in this, uh, in this no man's land. He's kind of stuck, right? And that could be a really boring movie. But so how do you, so how do you, like, make that an interesting story? Well, you show through, you know, like a revelation, right? You show, okay early you do some flashbacks where you show him at a happy state and you're going oh that's interesting like about five years ago this guy was a really fun love and happy guy how does he get to as matt calls it like the curmudgeon how do you get to this angry guy who's just solo at a bar in fist fights every other night uh lives in his like eight by little tiny apartment just in a sad life like how does he get to that point how does he go from a happy marriage with michelle williams to not not being with her at all, not having her at all in his life. And by the way, the angry guy at the bar part of the movie is one of the most hysterical parts of this movie, where he just, it, in the beginning, you'll see him interact with a guy across the way. You don't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, four hours later into drinking, he just walks right on over, has an interaction with the man without giving too much away, and it goes great. I mean, hysterical for the movie, not great for his character. <laughs> uh, to that point, there is nothing in this movie that couldn't happen in like real life. So mm-hmm. there are two movies that have moved me emotionally and sent me on a roller coaster, and two roller coasters at two completely different amusement parks. Number one was Room, right? Yeah, I loved Room. Cor- correct. Unreal. Number two was this movie. So, But Room was like, it's realistic, don't get me wrong, that stuff happens, but it's a little bit more far-fetched just by... Well, it's just a scenario that doesn't... Yeah. You know, it's a very specific scenario. Yeah. Like, this one, like, could play out. There isn't one, like, interaction or, like, conversation that couldn't happen in, like, a very real setting, in a very real life. And what helps, like, turn everything on its head and make everything a little bit more funny, I guess, are the Boston accents. Oh, Boston accents are hilarious. And 
they're so real. So you put it, Casey Affleck, I was watching something the other day where he's like, I want to do this movie with no Boston accents. He's like, I was nervous that we weren't going to get it right. He's like, no Boston accents. This movie would have not have been the same if they took those out. Because you give that kid. I'm working on it. Yeah. Him going, yeah. I'm, what, does that mean you're having sex today? I, it means I'm working on it. Just strictly basement That's business. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, hilarious. Uh, and, and like you said, uh, you know, in terms of with, with Room, not everyone is faced with being held in captivity and and all the things that she has to go through in room. Everyone is faced at some point in their life with the kind of, uh, some of it gets severe in this movie. I'm not saying everyone's faced with all the things that Lee goes through, but at least with the son, at least with Lucas, you can, you could at one point been faced with some of the things like where, you know, a tragedy happens. Someone has passed that you love and you want to get back to your regular, you want to grieve, but you also don't want it to define you. And that's a really cool thing that this movie does. I think is they show that, especially in Lee's case, he can go through some terrible, unthinkable drama, but that doesn't necessarily mean you become like a raving mad, like insane person. You don't become a weepy ball mess. You kind of just become a baseline person. And that he's basically stripped of all, and that and that's why it's so impressive with Casey Affleck, because every time he's faced with a, a situation where he, he could kind of sink back into reality, uh, he just, he doesn't, necessarily have the tools to anymore he's stripped of all of his emotional tools and he's just kind of a a, a soulless being to, not to be too dramatic about it and that's why the that's why the performance is so impressive it's because you know in every moment you can just see in his face that there are a duality in his emotions and, and you know him trying to battle internally you know just to look in his face uh the scenario that he's in i think that's a good point so to the fact that they get all the details right that we talked about earlier and he plays it so well because it's not he doesn't overdo it right he goes through loss and then you you know there's other revelations that happen in the movie and it's it's real it's how a lot of people end up reacting to those kinds of scenarios they're not some cartoon version of like over the top dramatic and you know they whatever it it, he plays it just right in that the way it affects how he interacts with everyone so and but the nice thing that they do is yes well it's really sad and while it's it's you kind of feel for this guy it also turns into some hilarious situations with how he interacts with his nephew and basically when he has to interact with the multiple girlfriends' parents and coming into the house and basically at one point in the movie he calls he needs the nephew needs the assistance of his uncle Lee to get laid to get laid and to get fun <laughs> and all he needs his uncle to do without giving too much away is just keep the mom entertained she kind of likes him she takes a fancy to Lee he's not a bad looking guy you know granted his life kind of went to shit now he's a janitor oh, sure. but. But, I mean, he's looking good. He, you know, he's looking nice. The man's still toy, you know, still bringing, bringing a little heat. And, uh, and he just can't find a way to give a fuck because of what's happened in his life. And it's just, it's so perfect how he deals, how he plays those interactions, how he plays just moving forward, how he interacts with these people. It's just, it, it's, it makes you really fall in love with, with Lee, even though he's not trying to win you over. His interactions with other people are how I treat my Uber drivers. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Hey, how are you? Good. 
and then headphones in, and that's literally yeah. what he does. I just got yeah, turn left. There's there's also a scene too where it's like right after he finds out that he's like the sole guardian of this kid, and he like he like leaves, and he's you know he's all kind of like in a, in a tizzy or whatever, and they're walking around, and he's like, where the fuck did I park the car? And then they're looking forward for a little bit, and then they have a conversation, and the kid's like, let's go, dude, I'm freezing. He's like, I don't remember where I parked the car. And they, they look for it for like 10 minutes for this stupid car. Yeah, you got to love a movie that has a nine-minute, where's the fucking car? <laughs> yeah. I parked the car in Harvard Yard. Get it, Boston joke. And then they do take time to make fun of the kid's skinny jeans and his wardrobe, <laughs> yeah. which, was, which was great. Because then I got to look over at Bataglia and look at exactly what he was wearing. So. Skinny jeans and a snapback. There you go. <laughs> You're still working on it, aren't you, Bataglia? Um, and then, of course, there's Michelle Williams, who's only in about three scenes, but man, that's like some heavy hitting there. She just drops, she just, you know, parachutes in and gets you real nice and weepy and then jets right the fuck out of there, doesn't she? I actually couldn't believe. So, you know, we don't want to give anything away, but between the flashbacks and, and the present day, I really couldn't believe where her character, not in a bad way, but I just, um, I couldn't believe how she was, how she had changed and what emotion she chose to go with, you know, because you can really decide what, you know, whether the character's sad, mad, glad, what have you. Um, it's really interesting the way the movie portrayed her and chose in terms of her emotional route um, in the present day Michelle Williams interaction with with Casey Affleck. I just... It's like the opposite. Yeah, it's the opposite of what you think it's going to be. And it really took me aback in, in that one pivotal scene that they have at the end and how that actually went down. It was really cool. Yeah, it's the best scene that I've seen in movies, uh, a movie yet this year. So... Uh, her name's been thrown around, right? For, like, awards and stuff? Yeah, yeah, for a supporting actress. She's in, like, three scenes, right? Which is impressive. You're in three scenes yeah. and you get the best supporting actress for... Only a couple scenes, like that'd be impressive. I, I think Anthony Hopkins holds the record for least amount of screen time while winning an Oscar really? for Silence of the Lambs. I think he's in like thirty minutes More of that movie. Oscar? Yeah, he's in like twenty eight minutes, or he's in he's in a very surprisingly, but he's so captivating yeah. that he, you know, he's. I mean, and Michelle Williams is still due from Dawson's Creek, so like this it is also, just... It also makes me wonder what Johnny Drama did in that movie to win an Oscar, because yeah. he won Best Supporting and he was in one scene. Now that we're talking be. about Entourage the movie, to yes, clarify for correct. the listeners. Johnny Drama won an Oscar in Entourage? Spoiler alert, but yes, he did. <laughs> oh, in like the, mo- the... In the, in the, the movie. In the movie. Oh, the yeah. The of the movie, yeah. Oscar. After no, the... Not in real life. Oh, not the no, actual yeah, actor. No. Well, no, but even like, because I, 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 I didn't watch any of the movies, because I, I just heard how... Or just the one movie. I, I didn't watch it because I heard how awful it was, but I just remember in the the arc of the show him pretty and, much. And you don't support Mark Wahlberg, so correct. I am, but I did watch all of Entourage, okay. and every now and again I'm forced to support Wahlberg if he's in a movie, say like The Departed, Leonardo DiCaprio reference. Everybody drink, uh, but if he's in a movie like that where he's also with really good actors, I kind of have to play. And I also get down with Ted too, even though I I subscribe. I'm a subscriber to the any Mark Wahlberg movie would be made that much better if they would have just cast Matt Damon, which is a, which is a movement going around the internet. Uh, so, so Bob, when we started this off said, I want to, you guys to know that this guy sees fast and the furious, blah, blah, blah. Mark Wahlberg is my number one. That man can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> off of my, all right. And Matt is no longer allowed back on the analysis. You guys have you the guys first and only, yeah. <laughs> Movie's unreal. Get out of my podcast. Uh, so, 
yeah. Uh, so general consensus, you guys loved it. I thought you guys had some really insightful things to say about the movie. Honestly, I I'm so psyched that you guys went and saw it, and we were fired up about it. You guys have any additional? Again, to to give a background as to what we like to do and the movies we like to see, I am a huge proponent of the Fast and Furious franchise. I have a love in my heart that's real. I can give a ranking of which ones I like from top to bottom, and it it it, it truly is something that I love to watch and enjoy. So this is completely on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of movies and cinema, and I feel like it gives something for everybody. It just because it's not trying to be some fairy tale wrap up like Fast and Furious does. They, you know, they, the good guy comes in and then all of a sudden there's something that he has to overcome. He beats the bad guy and then it's, you know, fairy tale ending, except for when Paul Walker died and they CGI'd him out. You know, that's okay. a different thing. But this movie, the way it moves, the way it ends, it's nice because they don't fall into that stereotypical archetype hey, this, this, and then that, that you know is always coming. They do something unique, and it was really cool because it, it left us wanting to just talk about it for days afterwards and refer it to as many people as we could because it's not something we normally do or normally even want to see. So this movie reminds me of, if you think of any, like, think about your own life and if you're going to make a movie about your life. At this point in time, there would be nothing that has happened in any of our lives that we would make a movie about. You want to wait for a big inciting incident, then that there's a big event, or like a regular like biopic, like a like a lone survivor, right? There's a big event, there's a movie about it. This movie is literally our lives that nothing big has happened yet in like a two hour movie, right? So they take a lot of the realisticness of our realisticness of our lives. They put it in a movie, they throw that dry comedy. Like Bob said, there's a kid whose dad just died and he's just trying to be a kid. There's this dude who's got, you know, some some broken past. We don't know what it is. He treats the people around him like trash because of that, um, but he still has enough care heart to go, you know, care for his his dead brother's son and things like that. So it's like a movie about something that like isn't like a big event. It's just a couple, you know, a couple of weeks with like some peppered past. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I really appreciated. It's just been so long since I've seen a character like Lee and that that self the dependence that he puts on himself. You know, because really, in a lot of ways, metaphorically, he's that tiny apartment in Boston is a prison cell he's given to himself because because of things that he believes because of sins he's believed he committed. And, uh, you know, basically his lack of communication or being able to communicate with people is, uh, you know, an onside of that. So I, I just it's been so long since I've seen someone try to take that perspective I, I really can't think of another one another movie that's really similar to that um and that's why you know and and that's what this movie will be for me in a long time you know in years from now i'll think back on this movie just in, you know in terms of that approach to the movie and then towards that approach to dramatic storytelling and, and how they were able to accomplish it uh through their their flashbacks and then where is he going to go next and you know the resolution that we get to at the end which i think is is original in its own right so i was pretty fired up about those things and you know it seems like you guys were as well so with that said i want to thank matthew Wahlberg battaglia and a drill diesel mellow for joining me on the podcast today from the analysis thanks you guys for listening have a good one see you next time Bye. Bye.